Chapter Twenty Two of Officer Six Sixty Six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Officer Six Sixty Six by Barton W. Curry and Augustin McHugh. Chapter Twenty Two, A Millionaire Policeman on Patrol. Travers Gladwin went bounding down the steps of his own pretentious marble dwelling with an airy buoyancy that would have caused Sergeant McGinnis to turn mental back handsprings had he appeared to be going by on his rounds. But, fortunately, McGinnis had passed on his inspection tour shortly before Michael Phelan had been summoned by Batiato. For three hours, at least, Officer 666 would be supreme on his beat. While the McGinnis contingency had never entered young Gladwin's mind, it did suddenly occur to him, as he strolled jauntily along, that he had neglected to ask Phelan to define the circumscribed limits of his post. What if he should happen to butt into another patrolman? Certain exposure and all his plans would go fluey. Then there was the danger of being recognized by some of his neighbors and friends. Ah, it came to him in a twinkling, a disguise. Here goes, he said aloud. I'll jump a taxi and see if I can hunt up a hair store. The time was 7 p.m., with the inky darkness of night blanketing the city so far as inky darkness can blanket a metropolis. The thoroughfare on which the young man stood was a long lane of dazzle, wherefore the nocturnal shadows offered no concealment. He cast his eyes up and down the avenue in search of a tramp motor-hack cruising in search of a fare. He had only a moment or two to wait before one of the bright yellow variety came racketing along. He stuck up his hand and waved his baton at the driver. There was a crunching of brakes, and that taxi hove to and warped into the curb. The chauffeur had the countenance of a pirate, but his grin was rather reassuring. "'Say, me friend,' began the young man in an effort to assume Michael Phelan's brogue, "'do you know the way to a hair store?' "'A what?' the chauffeur shot back, while his grin went inside. "'A hair store. I want a bit of a disguise for my features, whiskers, false hair, or the like.' "'Did ye stop to kid me?' snarled the chauffeur. "'You don't need to think, cause you got on a bull's uniform, you can hurl the harpoon into me. Or if it's a drink you're wantin', reach in under the seat and there's a flask. If you meant hair oil, why didn't you say it?' "'Thanks, but tis no drink I'm after,' said the young man. "'Tis a ride to a hair store, and here's a tin spot for your trouble.' It was the way Travers Gladwin handled the skirts of his coat in getting at his money that convinced the wise chauffeur that he had no real policeman to deal with. His grin came back and looped up behind at either ear. "'I get you, Steve,' he broke out, reaching for the bill. "'If it's disguises you're after, hop inside, and I'll tool yous over to Madame Flynn's on Avenue A.' To demonstrate to his uniformed fare that speed laws in the greater city of New York failed to impose any manner of hamper upon the charioteering of the motor-driven hack, 
the chauffeur of this canary-colored taxi scampered across town at a forty-mile-an-hour clip, during which Patrolman Gladwin failed to familiarize himself with the quality of the cab's cushions. But it was not a long ride, and there was some breath left in him when the cab came to a crashing stop. The young man was on the point of opening the door when a voice stopped him. "'Keep inside, you boob, and pull the blinds down. There's coppers on every corner. Now what is it you want in the way of whiskers or hair? You can slip me the change through the crack.' "'What's the prevailing style?' asked Gladwin with a laugh. "'Are they wearing brown beards?' "'They are not,' mumbled the chauffeur. "'I guess a wee bit mustache and a black wig will do you, "'and if you want, I'll get you a pair of furry eyebrows.' "'Fine,' cried the young man, "'poking a twenty-dollar bill out through the crack in the door. "'And don't be long.' "'The door slammed and a great stillness clapped down, "'broken only by the running of the taximeter, "'which seemed to be equipped with a motor of its own. "'The millionaire cop sat back luxuriously "'and inhaled a deep breath. "'Gad!' he exclaimed to himself. "'I'm really beginning to live. "'Nothing but thrills for four hours, and more, "'and larger ones coming.' "'Presently the chauffeur returned, opened the door a few inches, and shoved in a small package. "'You'll have to paste him on in the dark,' he said. "'Or you can light a match. You'll find a wee mirror in the bundle. Now, where'll I drive yous?' "'Back to me fixed post,' said Gladwin. "'Only take it easy while I put me face on straight.' "'If you don't get it on straighter, nor your brogue,' chuckled the chauffeur, It'll not deceive a blind man. In another instant, the return journey was underway at reduced speed. Travers Gladwin first tried on the wig. It was three sizes too large, and he had to discard it. Next, he had some trouble in deciding which was the mustache and which the eyebrows. He had burned his fingers pretty badly before he made the selection, and likewise he had singed one of the eyebrows. But he managed to plaster them all on before the cab stopped, and after one glance in the little mirror, he was confident the disguise would answer. When he stepped out of the taxi, at almost the very spot where he had boarded it, he felt that a big weight had been lifted from his shoulders. "'How do you like me?' he asked the chauffeur gaily. Is it an improvement? I wouldn't say yes nor no to that, said the chauffeur. But tis a disguise, and that's what you were wantin'. Them eyebrows is grand. Thanks, laughed Officer 666, and here's a one hundred dollar bill which asks you to forget me uniform, me number, and me face. Tis done, agreed the chauffeur, tucking away the bill. Only take a tip from a wise gink, and keep deep in the shatters. And when you pitch your friend, don't let him holler too loud. The yellow taxi was gone with a rush, leaving Gladwin to wonder at the amazingly shrewd guess of its pilot. When I pinch me friend, he murmured, "'Twas just what I said to Phelan. Why, 
he was gazing after the taxicab when from the opposite direction there suddenly rolled into view a vast touring car with a familiar figure at the wheel and alongside the familiar figure a very pretty girl the car was barely rolling along while its two occupants were talking earnestly their heads as close together as was possible under the circumstances johnny parkinson as i'm alive uttered travers gladwin me old college chum and as per usual making love yes me grinnin chauffeur friend here's where we make a pinch and test madam flynn's eyebrows officer do your duty out he stepped into the roadway and raised his nightstick the big car came to a sudden stop and the two occupants stared angrily at the cause of the interruption i arrest yez in the name of the law cried patrolman gladwin scowling so fiercely that one of the eyebrows was in danger what's that snorted the young aristocrat you're me prisoner said gladwin easily i arrest ye for breaking the speed laws racin on the avenue it's an outrage cried the pretty passenger we were scarcely crawling johnny you must be joking officer said johnny parkinson not very belligerently for he had a bad record for speeding and wasn't sure that some earlier offense was not involved i'm not joking replied gladwin walking to the door of the tonneau and opening it and you'll oblige me by driving to the police station he got in and lolled back cozily in the cushions johnny parkinson let in the clutch and rolled northward this was the strangest pinch of his experience and he didn't know just what to make of it after he had gone a few blocks he turned on his captor passenger and said which station shall i drive to i'm sure there must be some mistake there's no mistake responded gladwin fairly screaming with joy inside at the bewildered and frightened look of his friend as for police stations take your pick i ain't particular drive round the block a couple of times and make up your mind johnny parkinson turned the first corner and then turned up again into madison avenue gladwin could hear the couple in the front seat whispering excitedly the girl almost in hysterics you've simply got to do something johnny she was saying you know if we get our names in the paper father will be furious remember what he said about the last time you were arrested for speeding running along madison avenue Johnny Parkinson slowed down, turned again to the uniform in the back seat, and said tremulously, "'Can't we compromise this, officer? I—' "'Not on the avenue, Mr. Parkinson. You've got too bad a record. But if you'll run the machine over into Central Park, where there ain't so many sergeants roaming round, we might effect a settlement.' A smile of great gladness illuminated the features of Johnny Parkinson. He let in the clutch with a bang, and it was only a matter of seconds before the ninety-horsepower car glided in through the seventy-second street entrance to Central Park and swung into the dark reaches of the East Drive. 
Slowing down again, the young man at the wheel turned and said anxiously, "'The smallest I've got is a century, and I really need some of that.' "'That's easy,' rejoined Gladwin. "'Sure, and I'll change hundred-dollar bills every day. Slip me the paper, and here's a fifty, which is letting you off easy, seeing you're an old offender.' The transfer of bills was made swiftly, whereupon Gladwin commanded, "'Now run me back to the peg-post and drop me off. Only take it slow and gradual, or I might have to pinch his again.' A few minutes later Gladwin heard the young girl say passionately, "'Oh, Johnny, how could you give him the money? He's no better than a thief. I hope you've taken his number.' "'It wouldn't do any good, dearest.' said Johnny, sadly. They're all in together, and I'd only get the worst of it. But did you notice, Phyllis, that he looks a lot like Travers Gladwin? Impossible, retorted the girl. Travers Gladwin is good-looking, and this man's nothing but an Irish monster. The girl was about to speak again when she was sure she heard muffled laughter behind her. Then the car sped on into the avenue and just missed colliding with the Fifth Avenue motor bus. Officer 666 was put down a block from his own home and resumed the patrolling of the immediate precincts of the Gladwin mansion. His only parting salute from Johnny Parkinson's car was a flashing glance of contempt from the girl whose identity he strove in vain to place. End of chapter 22. Recording by Roger Moline.